Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way, I found that at Renaissance for me and the clients that I work with, uh, and I think you will too. Uh, give them a call. Go to renaissancebank.com, find one of their local offices, and give them a call. And guess what? People actually answer the phone. I mean, like real people. I'm not talking about computer-generated voices, real people. Um, so that's one indication you may be at the right place if you're looking for that kind of service. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Dr. Terry Dockery, better known as Doc. Doc Dockery is with us. He is the founder of the Resolve Firm. Doc, welcome. Well, thank you, John. I'm delighted to be here. I am delighted to have you here. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, Let's talk a little bit about you and how you're serving folks out there. Okay. Well, I am. Uh, I focus on the small business market in the Atlanta region, and I help small business owners double their revenue and have fun doing it. Well, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> You've been doing this a while. I have. Oh, good 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you you work mostly with family businesses, right? Yeah, I do a lot of work with family businesses. You know, you know John, before we go any further, I just... Uh, you know, to start a good interview, you ought to tell an inspirational story or, or mm-hmm. a joke or something. I couldn't think of any, but uh, since in my spare time I put the harm in harmonica, I thought <laughs> I thought you might want to. You might the folks might enjoy just a moment. You know, I thought about the idea, and as I did, I felt kind of chicken. I thought, I thought, you know, well, the last thing John would want is for me to turn this into some kind of circus. Well, of course, that made me feel even more chicken. I said, this whole thing could get away from us, John, like a runaway train. Well, you know what happens when you think too much. Right. You get the blues. So I just said goodbye to the whole idea. And decided not to play my harmonica and just go right on into the interview. Well, I sure am glad that you <laughs> that you decided not to. <laughs> no, uh, I you you're uh, got a great talent here. So I mean, let's talk about that. Then we'll get to the your day job. Okay, well, you, you 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 um, uh, hang out and and play professionally at, around town, right? Right. Well, yes, I do. I uh, I used to I play and record with a, a blues artist, and uh, one of my proudest accomplishments in 1988, we won the Lucille Award from BB King, and got to uh, share the stage with him at the WC Handy Awards that year in Memphis at the I Peabody Hotel. Mm-hmm. It was a hoot, and my wife didn't divorce me, so I, the whole it was it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a success. The, I was in graduate school, and she let me do that. While we were in, oh, I was in school, and we had our three children. I, I wow! Hit, I hit the lottery on the marriage uh, scenes. Yeah, you did. Um, 
um, you, you and I have that in common. We all kicked our coverage, but when you're on the same stage with BB King, you're, you've succeeded because oh, it was, BB was the man. It was a blast. It was yeah. a dream come true for me. Yeah. That, that is, that is awesome. Um, so you, and P, people that want to get in touch, they can find out where you play and cause you play around North Fulton and other areas in right, Atlanta. Yeah, right. And I mean, candidly, my model these days, I, I don't take any money and I, I dedicate my, my fee back to the young people out there that needed a little more. And, and that way they don't complain when I don't move equipment too. So it works out real nicely. I, I, and I invite my friends and we just have, we just have fun with it. I love it. I love it. Um, we could talk more about this, but I'll, <laughs> cause I got, I, I've, even though I know you, I've got a bunch of questions to ask you about, about harmonica playing, but, um, um, but let's talk about business scaling. All right. And, and, and I guess the, the, you work mostly with family businesses. So let's talk about why specifically family businesses have problems when it comes to scaling. Well, you know, the, well, first, a uh, warning or caveat, if you're choosing somebody to work with your family business, you need to be real careful. I've seen a lot of damage done by consultants who purported to understand family dynamics and business. And, and you know, I, I knew one former client that wound, paid $300,000 over five years and were worse off when, than when they started. Mm. Uh, so you, it's, why do they need it? It's uh, role conflict. And when you start mixing love and money, uh, you can get into role conflict. You know, there's a hundred ways to make a buck and you only got one family. You don't want to screw up your family over making money, but mm-hmm. I see people do it all the time because you know your family members, you know who they are, you trust them. Seems like a good idea to go into business together. And sometimes it is, but you've got to, it takes a pretty uh, fine-tuned skill set to be good at business and family and then mix them together. Yeah, it, it because that's often combustible. Oh gosh, yes. Um, why do you focus on family businesses? Well, it's more fun for me. It's more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, candidly, I it and it gives me. I do this work. I mean, I could have made more money in a hundred different ways, but I like helping folks, and I help. I like helping families, and that's even more fun than scaling. You know, any other kind of business. So I like the challenge of it. I like the rewards of it when I see people happy. Happiness is always the end goal. You know, you don't want to do that. There's, there are plenty of CEOs and, and business people who uh, get rich in the first half of their career and then spend the second half paying off their ex-spouses and trying to buy their health back. Mm. And we're trying to avoid all of that syndrome. I love that. One of the, You're the author of a book called Leadership, Happiness, and Profit, 12 Steps to a High-Performance Business. So we want to shout that out. Um, and one of the things... I'm going to refer to your book a few times, but one one of the things that you talk about in your book are the values that underpin the business. Right. Um, let's talk about that for you. What what are your core values for your business? Sure. You know, values. All all decisions are driven by values and priorities. I mean, there's never enough time and money or resources to go around, so you have to decide what you're going to spend your time on, your life on, your business on. Uh, for me, uh, there are three simple ones. Have fun, make money, and do good. You know, mm. Have fun mean uh, enjoy your life, make money. Uh, to, if you're going to enjoy your life, you need to not be worried about money, so you need to make enough to 
reach your financial goals and then do good. You know, we, it's important to treat people like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk, one of the things you talk about in your book is guiding businesses toward the values that they ought to live by in their business that, that maybe are personal to them. Right. right. So, um, because I think uh, everyone wants to do those three things that you talk about uh, for yourself. Well, yeah, I don't get any argument about. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's but right. Having fun, making money, and doing. You know, in general, everybody's on board with that. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's good with that. But everybody's got their own specific values they want to live out in their business. So, talk about how you help business owners um, either identify those or live those out in a way that that. Um, doesn't conflict with the business itself. Right. Well, you know, we, if I'm going to work with a business, you know, I do some due diligence and some digging and talk to some folks and so forth. And, and one of the things I'm looking for is, uh, are there, are their values and priorities clear? Cause if not, then you're just kind of shotgunning in all directions. Uh, if you don't have clear goals and values to guide you know, you're attaining those goals. So we getting focused is a lot of the, a lot of the fight. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we talk about it. We'll pull the team together and uh, we'll go over them if they have them already and make sure they're clear. Uh, we'll figure out ways to measure them. We integrate them into the performance management system because like, a, a, for instance, a salesperson, of course you want them to hit their sales goals, but you, you want them to do it in such a way that preserves the culture of the, the business and does it the way they want to do business. So, you know, what, uh, tends to happen as a business scales is they get away from their core values. They start focusing on making money. They start hiring a bunch of bureaucrats who aren't mm. bought into the core values. Next thing you know, uh, the thing that made them successful, the way they do business is starts to get diluted and they just become one more kind of nameless, faceless money-making machine. And they, they lose the allure that brought them to the dance in the first place. Yeah, and what? When does that usually happen in the development of a company, either size wise or any other characteristic you want to talk about? You know, that, that's it depends on the business, mm-hmm. the, the the kind of vertical you're in. But you know, what comes to mind is you know, fifty employees. Uh, when you start having the money to hire functional specialists, you know, okay, now we got the money to hire an HR person. Mm. Well, does that HR person really uh, drink the Kool-Aid in terms of our values and the way we want things done? You know, are they somebody that just can say no, or are they? Are, can they actually say yes? Or are we going to treat them as a, a a real partner in the business, or is that just to check the box compliance? You know, it, it depends on it, keeping those. It really is the heart of the business. The values are the heart of the business. I was mm-hmm. just so anyhow, I was reading an article about Chick Fil A, a business that I admire a lot, mm-hmm. and that that's one of the things they've done really well is not stray from the very the fundamental values that helped them get to where they are. They're a great example of where I was going with the next question, which is um, how you grow and identify those people as you grow because it gets tougher as you grow, right? Right. Um, so. Give, give advice on how you bring in folks that share your values or you get them dunked into the, 
the pool, <laughs> your pool, um, as opposed to the bureaucrats you talk about? Well, you know, a- after you've hired all your family and friends, then you have to start hiring people you don't know, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And that's when it gets tricky. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, as an example, one of the things I, I do in my practice is I help people hire uh, key employees, mm. you know, VPs, managers, leaders at, uh, of some level or other. And um, we look at, you know, the, the first thing we do, so let's say we've got clear values for that company. We know, and we... So that's always part of the interview. Now we don't we don't say are you honest, uh, but we find ways to measure that. We don't say uh, uh, do you treat other people with dignity and respect. Yeah. And, and or can you do you have sales and influencing skills so you can sell your ideas and and convince people to do things the way that the company wants to do them. Those are the kinds of skills we may look at, and we have ways of between uh, assessments interviewing. We have ways of measuring those things. I have uh, uh, 13 basic uh, skill sets that I always look at if somebody's in a leadership position. And then I'll ask the company, you know, what are the ones that are, for instance, maybe sales and influencing skills aren't um, paramount for this particular position. Mm-hmm. But uh, for integrity is never negotiable. Uh, Basic teamwork skills is never negotiable. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. Is that is that am yeah. I answering your question? No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the 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 key thing is how do you gauge that right, right. in people? You, you, well, I I ask for a lot of trust from my clients because mm-hmm. uh, I use assessments. I use the interview. I write a report that says here's what I see. There's about actually about 50 different skill sets that we, we uh, measure and look at, but they mm-hmm. trust my judgment and experience because we've been right well over 90% of the time over 30 years. So the track record gives me some latitude in terms of you know, people listening to what I, I'll, I'll give basically a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the hire. This is a good match for what you told me you wanted mm-hmm. or it's not. And if you, and if you're going to hire them, it's never perfect, Right. Yeah. Here are the things you need to coach them up on or watch out for. So uh, we're getting they're no perfect people, and so you hire them here. They they got a player potential. Here's here's where they need some extra help to really actualize that potential. You're talking about a, a different level of involvement, Doc, than than the typical business consultant. I mean, when you're rolling up your sleeves and engaging in interviews of of, of you know, C-suite candidates or, you know, whatever the role is, uh, that's a pretty involved engagement you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, our, our basic model or my basic model is uh, uh, the right business model, the right team, the right teamwork. You do all those well, you got a home run. Mm-hmm. So the right business model uh, or strategy, you got to sell something that people need and are willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. And it has some market potential to grow if we're going to scale it. Uh, right team, uh, that's crucial. You get the wrong team. You, I mean, well, if you get the right team, you can lead them. If you get the wrong team, you spend all your time managing them and you'll never, uh, overcome, you know, if, uh, if the Atlanta Falcons play university of Georgia, they're both good teams, but the Atlanta Falcons going to win every time because the talent difference is just, you can't overcome that talent difference with mm-hmm. teamwork, teamwork being the third component. Mm-hmm. That's getting uh, implement. You know, all your processes tightened up and implemented, and communication, teamwork, all that working well. 
we've probably got some Georgia fans out there that, you know, they're feeling pretty good about their team. Well, so they probably disagree team. with you right well, now. You think yeah. they can beat the Falcons? Huh? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them think they could. And, and you know what? They, some days I think they might be right, well, given what I see from the Falcons. Well, but well, let me just give a testimony. All three of my kids went to UGA, so I'm a fan. Yeah, right? okay. There you go. Yeah, you. <laughs> so we don't get any letters for you, right? <laughs> Doc Dockery is with us, folks. Uh, Dr. Terry Dockery, he is the founder of the Resolve firm. So, um, you've been at this 30 years, right? What, what, um, first of all, I'm fascinated by that because just all the experience that you bring to the table, what you've seen that works and doesn't work, but what are, what are the, how do I be a great client for either you or some other business consultant that I might hire? Um, how do I help you be successful? Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Well, a great client. Well, you know, I've said, you know, I, to get off the In fact, I launched my business in 97. Uh, I was doing Fortune 500 consulting, and I was killing it. Mm-hmm. Making, I was the best business developer the, the firm had ever seen, mm-hmm. making great money, uh, and I was miserable. I had three young children that were growing up without me, and just to say, I've, I've interviewed enough CEOs to tell me – hear all those stories of regret. Mm. So I launched my business and started coaching two little league teams in the same day, literally. Really? I have never regretted it. Wow. Uh, like, I mean, the, I didn't anticipate all I didn't know at the time and mm-hmm. the ups and downs, but still, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, so to be a great client, now I'm focused on the Atlanta region. Uh, I've got some clients in Alabama right now. Um, but uh, to get off the road and get out of hotels so I can – I like being at home, you know, and so, uh, fo- and family businesses are, uh, yeah, it's the backbone of American business. I mean, small business and family business, the, the percentage is huge. Right. And somebody that's open to new ideas and making change. I, it, it, uh, you know, my, my job is to bring them opportunity. I, I feel like I serve up opportunities. I mean, I've, I've given some great advice that's been ignored a, a lot. So, mm. so, <laughs> yeah, so that's what you paid for and you right you know, so so i serve up opportunities and if they someone that will embrace oh you mean i can have more fun and make more money by doing that okay well let's we're willing to give it a try you know people don't like changing or it's it's frightening yeah and then you, you, they've had too many bad experiences with consultants who said they were going to make you know give them the world and it didn't happen mm-hmm. you know, so all I really need is someone who's willing to listen and will, if you give them a, consider them, uh, give them a good idea for their business, they'll consider it. And I love that answer because everybody thinks they're open to change, right? Everybody thinks they're, they're willing to listen. Right. Um, particularly when their backs against the wall with some business problem they've got. Right. Um, but I'm sure you run into clients that really aren't. Well, you know, the, the difference between Fortune 500 consulting and small business consulting, besides the fact that I don't make as much money. Hmm. is, is <laughs> And we, you don't have to travel so much. I don't have to travel so much, is that Fortune 500 people are used to having consultants. Hmm. Those big, complex businesses. Mm-hmm. The CEOs, decision makers realize they can't be good at everything and the wise thing to do is to surround themselves with people who are good at those mm-hmm. things right 
Small business owners in general tend to be very bright, hardworking people who are good at a lot of stuff. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have even succeeded to the point that they can afford to work with me, right? Mm-hmm. But And they don't take advice real easily because they're used to doing everything themselves. One of the primary things I wrestle with in trying to help my clients is help them to delegate because they know if they do it, it's going to be done well at least to a certain level, and they have a hard time that transition of hiring functional experts and deferring to their expertise saying, you know, this guy knows more than me. Maybe I bet we better do it the way he's recommending it as opposed to the way I've done it in the past. That is that kind of reluctance to, to one acknowledge that you could use some help mm-hmm. and then to take it when it's offered. It's tough. I mean, it's just the, the kind of the nature of the beast for a, an entrepreneur is that they're, pretty dang hard headed or they wouldn't have survived as long as they have. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you bring happiness to the table, which is one of the things I love about your approach. Um, because everybody talks about, you know, more profit and what have you. I oh, mean, sure. right. Uh, but, but, but without happiness, it can ring hollow. Right. Well, you, it, you feel like you're kind of missing the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you talk about, the four major sources of happiness. Yeah, you know, the, the uh, from the research in positive psychology, uh, it's there. I've distilled it down to the four major sources: a caring relationship with yourself, caring relationships with other people. You know, we're pack animals. We're we're engineered to bond and enjoy other folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, work that you love doing because you spend so much time at it. Better pick something you, you love because mm-hmm. when you hit those obstacles, it'll propel you over them, right? Yep. And then enough money to pay your bills with some left over for having fun. Mm-hmm. And where uh, it's easy to fall into that trap of thinking more is better, more money is better. Uh, but to me, it's all about balance among those four. If you're uh, spending too much time making money and destroying your relationships or your health, then you've kind of, like I said, missed the point. So we look at Scaling your business while you're enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. That's, and and you wind up uh, with a happy life, plenty of money and a happy life and, and not a whole bunch of regrets like, oh, geez, you know, I wish I'd done that. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, Doc Dockery is with us, folks. Dr. Terry Dockery, he's the founder of the Resolve Firm. Um, you use a prediction equation when you're talking about scaling a business, talk about what that's all about. And that's what I mentioned earlier. And the more complex you make a plan, the less likely anything at all is going to get done. And so what I always wanted to do, and they, they they just about kicked me out of graduate school because I got tired of getting lost in details that I didn't think anybody would care about. I wanted practical advice that I could help people. with, Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to offer to my clients. And that, that three-piece uh, model, you got to have the right business model or something that people are willing to pay for mm-hmm. and that's scalable, some mm-hmm. market potential, the right team and the right teamwork. And I'll sit down with my clients and we'll evaluate how good's our business model, how good's our team, how good's our teamwork. And you can just, and you at the at 30,000-foot level, you can see where you need to tweak things. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a right business model where we, we got to go fix that first, because if you don't have the right team, second priority, 
Um, you're never going to get there from here. Oh, well, you might get there, but it'll be slow and painful or, you know, it's like, if we, and then, and then once we've got those things in place, it's about execution, mm-hmm. getting everybody communicating and, uh, on the same page and roles and goals clear. And, you know, and, and as the, as the, uh, business grows, things change and get more complex. So typically we'll, uh, in an engagement, we'll have follow-up where I'll come in, we'll measure again, and we're looking at those. We, we get a little deeper than but the three-piece model and then tweak things as we need to. You're adding staff, you're increasing complexity in your communication plan, et cetera. You know, and, and we tweak those, fine-tune them to stay ahead of that change curve so we surf it instead of it crushing us, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, talk about, how you talk to talk clients through, I guess that first, um, uh, those first meetings, right. And the, the assessment piece of it, because something tells me you bring surprises to the table for clients. Right. And I mean, all the time, right. Because they're, they're, you probably bring answers they're not expecting. Right. I get paid to tell people the stuff they don't want to hear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, Whether they like it or not. Well, so the first step is people, once people know me, they know that I'm going to get to know them and their goals. Yeah. And that's what I'm focused on. I'm not, I'm not pushing an agenda. Now, if somebody, for instance, if someone likes integrity, I just won't work with them. I mean, there are things that aren't negotiable because it, it's going to blow up everybody's going to be unhappy anyhow. Yeah. But in general, what I'm saying is as long as somebody is a, a person of, of good character, I'm focused on their goals. And is and if I think they're really making a bad mistake, I'll just say so. Mm-hmm. So they know that I care about them and their goals. And that's my focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have an agenda other than that. And then I, and I prepare them. I say, look, you know, here's what we're going to do. We need to measure. We'll improve and we'll measure again and we'll improve and we'll do that to the cows come home for as long as you think I can be helpful. I'm, I, I serve as like a non-equity partner in the business. Mm. I am not a decision maker. Make it real clear. I'm an advisor. Mm-hmm. My, my goal is to serve up opportunities, whether you take advantage of them or not. So they're, they're always in control. I'm not trying to tell them what to do. Right. They know I care about them. They're in control. And I say, look, let's, let's measure and see what you got. Now, let me tell you. If it was all rosy, you probably wouldn't have me here, right? Yeah. So yeah. So when, when we get what we get, let's look at it and and you decide what you want to do about it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Now you you've got a mastermind group. Um I'm not sure if that's what you call it or not, but you've got a group of, of um a round table right. of of uh, business owners that come and bring their specific issues every month. Um when you meet and you also work with clients one-on-one, what, what, what advice do you give your clients as to which one they ought to pursue? I mean, we, the one-on-one versus the round table. Well, the, uh, the round table, I launched that, um, I was in a round table group for a number of years mm-hmm. and didn't like the way, the way I, I learned a lot and, and le- didn't like the way, some things were done, so I launched my round t- my CEO and owner roundtable as a as a low cost way to work with me, 
for small businesses. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, when people say, oh, we're a small business, we can't afford a consultant. I said, well, you, you can afford this. Mm-hmm. We get together once a month and we, we uh, well, for starters, we have a good time. We, that, we, uh, we don't allow mean people in there. We It's a bunch of really, really great folks that you'd want to know anyhow. Mm-hmm. And we support each other and, and uh, talk about business conundrums as, as we, as they come up and, and solve those. And it's a, uh, in fact, people, if I'm doing a consulting engagement, I will usually invite them into the roundtable as part of the engagement so they can hear uh, you know, other voices as well as mine as part of the value proposition to learn and grow. And, and it also gets people, you know, especially we men are reluctant to uh, share our needs or uh, ask for help. And they just get used to being in an environment where you compare notes and help each other out, and every you know all boats are pushed to the pushed to the next level. Yeah, yeah, I love it, um, Doc. This this has been great, but I want to make sure that we uh, have you share success stories uh, uh, or two, if you would, uh, an example of uh, where your work has made an impact in a business and you're particularly proud of it. Yeah. Um, a few years back, uh, it's a service business. Um, came in, I was invited in and, and, uh, kind of the presenting issue was it wasn't performing financially the way the partners wanted. It was a partner structure, five partners. Um, so we, you would say the presenting issue was financial performance, but doing a little digging it, it, the, the the biggest issue was conflict among the partners. They all weren't on the same page and pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So got in there, found out that two of the partners were the, the, the owners were a husband and wife couple. And one of the biggest presenting issues was that folks didn't like that. They didn't like this mm-hmm. kind of power block in the partner group. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what, ultimate decision was the wife left the business and launched another business of her own. They, they realized that which often happens in, in couple entrepreneurs, um, the business was taking on their life, taking over their lives. Anyhow, you know, you're talking about business 24 seven. Next thing you know, you're not having any fun in your marriage and wondering what the heck you're doing there. <laughs> so they decided to, for a number of reasons, she went and actually launched a successful business of her own because she had that entrepreneurial bug. Mm-hmm. Um, we then worked with the other partners to get them lined up and doing so, uh, realized that the successor, the guy that was, that was their bright young star was just horrible with people. He was great with clients and bringing in all kinds of business and just killing it on the business front, but was just running the employees off and driving them into the ground because he just didn't have the people skills and the management skills so we worked with him. We actually had a meeting where he burst into a tirade because we'd been so mean to him to tell him that he was terrible at this. And it was the beginning of the most amazing transition. Mm. He realized that he really needed to work on it. He, he is now, by the way, running that firm and doing a splendid job of it. But that, that epiphany was painful, yeah. but it propelled him to the whole next level in his career. Wow. And so within a three year time period, you know, they doubled their revenue and, uh, and certainly the happiness index went up. The transition from the original client to the, you know, the successor was much more smooth. 
so things things went really well. Yeah, that's uh, what a great story. Uh, Doc Dockery, folks, with the Resolve firm. Doc, this has been great. And I can't imagine there aren't some uh, folks that would like to be in touch, would like to learn more about you and your services. So let's uh, give them the coordinates. How can okay. they get, How can they do sure. that? Sure. If you just uh, uh, Google the Resolve firm, uh, I'm, I'm the resolvefirm.com. And, uh, you know, all the contact information is there and you can uh, find out a little bit more about me. And I'm always happy to talk to folks because one of the things about uh, what I do is since I love it so much, I have to, my wife reminds me I have to get paid. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to people and be helpful whether we have some long-term relationship or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you can't know too many good folks. So I'm always happy to hear from people. Yeah, that's terrific. Doc Dockery, the Resolve Firm, and uh, the man that brings the harm to the harmonicas, right? <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Doc, this has been great. Thanks so much for uh, agreeing to come in. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. If you have got some dysfunction in your business that involves administrative tasks or bookkeeping, and you need someone that can fly in, get the job done and fly out and do that on an ongoing or as needed basis. The folks at office angels have a whole team of angels that can do that for you. And I, they do great work. And I know that from my own experience, cause I use their services. Um, you can give them a call at 678-528-0500 or go to officeangels.us to learn more. But my suggestion is give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did and let them know we sent you. And I have a book coming out later this year, folks. If you are a professional services provider that uh, has issues with your mindset, your pricing, uh, this book's for you. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Pricing using the generosity mindset method. Uh, It'll be out later this year, 2023. And if you want to know more, you can go to pricevaluejourney.com, sign up for updates, uh, get a a link to the show archive of the podcast of the same name, uh, and learn more there. You can also email me directly if you'd like. uh, uh, John at johnray.co is a good email address to email me if you're interested in that. And a big thank you, finally, to our audience. You've uh, been so supportive of the great work that um, our guests like Doc do, and you've been supportive of that work by sharing the show. And I'm so grateful for you for doing that um, because that helps us fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. Please continue to do that. If you've heard something here that makes you think, hey, I've got somebody that needs to hear about happiness in their business, uh, share the show and um, continue to do that. And uh, we will continue to be grateful because without your support, uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So thank you again for that. So for my guest, Doc Dockery, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.